Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We are all ready to weep, just as we are born, knowing only life. It is defeat that you must learn to prepare for. Man, you come right out of a comic book. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. You know, it's so funny. I can sit there and listen to intros for Paul Gutierrez all day long. Like, I can just listen to the intros for him because they always mean so much, and they always have something behind it. And DeMond does a great job putting them together. But when you hear it open like that, you know Paul is about to join the show, and Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest right now. And, Paul, let's go ahead and jump into it, man. you got to give us the backstory on that kind of intro right there that DeMond put together for you. Yeah, I just tweeted it out, guys. Thanks for having me on. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. For the first time since I was three years old, way back in 1973, I just walked out of the movie theater watching Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon on the big screen. Uh, you know, I've seen it on TV millions of times since, have the DVD, the Blu-ray, all that. But, but to go into a darkened movie theater and, and watch something that was kind of, you know, one of my earliest memories. And, and I really do have very vivid memories of sitting in the Chinese theater in, in L.A., in 1973, right after Bruce Lee had died, and watching that film with my parents and, and taking that martial arts journey. My dad still teaches in Barstow, and, you know, I, I grew up with it. So it was just one of those things. I was like, you know, this is kind of cool. I'll sit here. So when you guys ask me to be on the show today, and you always uh, you always accept my request for different walk-up music, so to speak, I said, I got the music for today. Yeah, no, that was good stuff. And, you know, reading the, the piece that you put out in, uh, I believe, 2012, talking about uh, Bruce Lee, and it was on Bruce Lee Tribute Night and uh, just the stories that you had as an A's insider at the time, man. I mean, how cool was that to just kind of be able to relive that and, and have Bruce Lee's uh, uh, widow there with you? Well, not only, yeah, not only his widow Linda, but his daughter Shannon. And yeah. to be able to tell them the story and then, you know, the world is small. The martial arts world is even smaller. And basically, long story short, my dad's my instructor, obviously, right? So my dad's instructor was one of Ed Parker's first black belts. Actually, it was his first black belt. And when Bruce Lee and his family first moved to L.A. from the Bay Area, they stayed with Ed Parker. So there was this very wow. small, quick connection to the two. So in doing that story, when I used to work at uh, Comcast Sports in the Bay Area, which is now NBC Sports Bay Area, um, it was fun because it was kind of a column. It was a personal journey. It was something like that. And I was able to talk to guys that were playing on the Raiders at the time. And, you know, Richard Seymour talking about how he would incorporate some of the martial arts on the field. Marcel Reed, he would do jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, even Mike Kruko, the, the, the Giants broadcaster, he used to work out with my dad's instructor's classmate when he was with the Phillies in the early 80s. So it's really kind of that culmination. And it's funny that story's over a decade old, but I'll, I'll read it and I'll go, you know what, that. That's one of my favorite stories I think I've ever done because it hit on a personal level as well as being able to incorporate a lot of things that I've covered over the years. Paul, we were texting before the show, and you mentioned Rich. I mentioned Richard Seymour, and then you mentioned the palm <laughs> strike that he gave to Ben Roethlisberger. Every Raider fan remembers that. But I've got to ask, who do you think is the most dangerous football player in the league? You know, I mean, are we talking present, all-time? Let's whatever. go all-time. You know, yeah, all-time. <laughs> it's hard to say, man, because – you don't know what people know, right? And mm-hmm. that's what makes people dangerous because you don't know. You don't know what somebody knows. And it's funny, like when, when Seymour did hit Ben with that, that palm strike and he dropped straight down. He didn't push him back. He hit him and he dropped straight down. That was very reminiscent of a technique that I had been shown. Not that I can do it, mind you, but a technique that I had seen with an open palm strike. So when he did that, it was right around that time when I talked to Richard about it too. When I asked him if there was some martial arts lineage there and linkage, 
he just kind of smiled and, and wouldn't say exactly. But but I, I've seen that move before, if you know what I'm saying. How awesome is that, though, to be able to kind of connect with these players? Like, we look at them, and I think of Richard Seymour. I think of a guy getting after the quarterback, not giving him the open palm, but just getting after the quarterback. <laughs> but how is it cool to – I mean, how great is it to be able to reconnect or connect with these guys and actually talk about martial arts and how many of them actually use it in their everyday kind of walk of life, even if it's just nothing more than try to stay in shape? Well, and that, that's that's the whole point of it, right? And, yep. and the story itself was in talking with with Mike Kruko, uh, He said, you know, Steve Carlton was the one, you know, lefty, the Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He's the one that brought Gus Heffling to to teach, and he went from the Rams to Philadelphia with Roman Gabriel, the quarterback. Now, I know I'm dating myself here. I don't remember seeing Roman Gabriel play, but I remember <laughs> the name. Yeah, and he took him with him to Philadelphia. So that is what to me was the coolest thing was you have all these different levels, these different layers, these connections. And in the story in and of itself, you know, Mike said that, that Steve Carlson, his off days, he wouldn't throw on off days. His off days were a martial arts workout, doing the kung fu punches on, on uh, slippery ground so that they could maintain not only their core strength, but their leg strength as well, and throwing punches and, and things like that. And it's actually, for whatever it's worth, you know, I, I do that on a daily basis still in my garage, just work on the punches. You're not doing anything, you're just moving, right. but you're moving. All right. To be able to talk to the athletes about it, that's the connection. Now, getting a little bit older in the game, so to speak, you know, I'm obviously I'm 53 now. I don't know how many of these younger guys realize that about Bruce Lee or if they remember any of that. You know, Seymour was kind of on the cutting edge, so to speak, and Marcel, he's a couple, you know, 10 years younger than I am or whatever at the time. Um, you know, now it's all about UFC right. and mixed martial arts. And if you think about it, Bruce Lee was kind of. Um, the the godfather of mixed martial arts. One of the Raiders that's currently on the team that still has a martial arts background, Amir Abdullah, and last year after he scored a touchdown, he busted out, you know, a jumping kick. What would you have graded that Amir Abdullah kick from last got a, season? Got a 15-yard penalty for it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did, he did. Well, he kicked, didn't he kick the other player? When he yeah, yeah, grazed the other player. <laughs> it was pretty. Because as soon as he did, I went, oh, no, he just did a low, high roundhouse with the twirl kick, spinning twirl kick on it. And then he said, no, that was actually from a video game. So that was his celebration, and, and he was told not to do it ever again. At least don't do it if you're going to hit somebody with it. It was clean. It was yeah. clean. So, of course, me being me, I went back into my archives, and I found a picture of myself uh, doing a similar kick, and I put him side by each and put it out there. And I talked to him and told him I wanted to do something. Uh, regarding it uh, down the line a little bit. So uh, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a story I can uh, pursue with him too. There you go. When I ask you what you got coming up, that could be the next story. I'm just saying. We're just <laughs> – We'll talk to my editor and we'll make sure because there's a lot of other stuff going on with the Raiders right now that my editor might think is a little bit more important than uh, <laughs> – but I hear you. I feel you. Yeah, that's a good point. Again, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So let's go ahead and jump into a couple of those subjects. Yeah. And, of course, off top is Jimmy G and the – Failed physical and the contract clause and everything that we learned over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Where are we at, Paul? Should we be kind of concerned at this point, or do you think that, uh, you know, it's nothing to see as of right now? I think that the the best answer is yes to all of it, because we just don't, (laughs) it's a strange story, right? Yeah. We all knew that that Jimmy was coming off of an injury. Um, To me, even in talking this over with my editor and my news desk and, and people in the industry and we don't know what, how big the story is. The story is, is, you know, from the bare facts of it, is this. And we don't even know if he failed a physical because if you read the waiver, it says it takes the place of a physical. Right. So it's almost like he showed up, somebody saw something they didn't like, said, oh, wait a minute, we're going to assign this here, and, 
and you don't have to take a physical, but you're going to have to take one if you want to get paid. Okay, so I've talked to different agents in, in the industry, and they're like, whoa, that's anybody who signs that has no leverage whatsoever. They're giving all their leverage away. And that is, again, you look at that, that, that sets our alarm bells, right? So then you pull this string, and then you pull another string, and the story just has all these different layers to it. And at the end of the day, when Josh McDaniel says in his press conference last week, mind you, before any of this broke and we knew any of this, you can take those quotes from what he said in that presser and insert them in any story you want because they're just as timely. He said, you know, remember when he told us, um, nothing is a surprise when it comes to Jimmy. Everything that's happened since then, we knew was going to happen. Okay, right. so is that confirming that he failed the physical? Is that confirming that the, the waiver? Is that confirming that you knew he was going to have to have surgery afterwards? Did you know that the 49ers downplayed the injury all along and made Jimmy seem like a, you know, like kind of a, a malcontent along the way too? It, that's what I'm saying. There's so many different strings to pull. And, and again, if he's not uh, able to play and they, they do have to look elsewhere, whether it's outside the building or not, that, again, becomes a bigger story. It's just there's a lot of if this, then that, but what about the other thing? Right, exactly, and that's kind of how we're looking at it. We're kind of trying to, to, I don't know, peel back the curtain as much as we can or peel the onion as much as we can and get all these layers and figure out exactly what's going on. So we know training camp is around the corner, but it's not here yet. Is it mandatory, in your opinion, that Jimmy G is available for training camp? Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that – Yes and no, because you want him getting real live reps as much as possible with the guys that are on the roster, right? Obviously, to, to have best success. But he also, he already kind of has half a step ahead than what even Derek Carr had last year because he knows the system, so to speak. Right. And he's doing the classroom work. Uh, he's getting those mental reps, which aren't the same, obviously, but, but at least he's got that half a step advantage. You know, and, and, and I don't even know if it's an advantage so much as it's kind of a, a safety net. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you'd like to see him out there, and, and, you know, that's the thing. I was actually having this conversation with my editor this morning. It's like, well, let's button up here for the next two months of will he or won't he be ready for the start of training camp stories and reports and rumors and innuendos. Right, exactly. It's that's kind of it's kind of where we're at. It's like a, it's like we don't really have a good answer and don't really know what a good answer would be when it comes to Jimmy G. But we do know that he's uh, he's not 100 percent healthy as of right now, to say the least. Again, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest on Red Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Demond. I've got to ask you, Paul, maybe get your thoughts on it because even if he does come back during training camp and he's ready for the regular season, how how much do we expect him to be healthy for the continuation of the season if he does play? Well, and that's the thing, is, is depending upon how long that surgery recovery takes and when exactly he had it, right? If he had it right after he was introduced to us, mind you, again, another layer to this whole story is that mm-hmm. the, the press conference was delayed a day and, you know, ostensibly because he had to sign that waiver that took the place of a physical. That surgery is supposed to be, what, a six- to eight-week thing? He should be good to go right about now, if you think about it. So give him another two months, yeah, he should be good to go. And if he's not, that's when the alarm bells start going off. That's when all the rumors start flying again. That's when everything about Tom Brady comes flying back, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and we're off to the races. And, you know, I've covered this team in one way or another since 2005 you know, as a professional. Uh, you know, I used to cover the L.A. Raiders when I, was, when I was in junior college in the late 80s, early 90s. There's been some strange things I've seen, guys, and this would be up amongst the strangest, but it wouldn't shock me either. I'm not going to throw out Brady's name because that is not a actual possibility. But do you think that the Raiders, no matter how hard this system is, that they bring that they need to bring in another veteran quarterback? Well, I, 
that's the thing, right? I, I know I keep saying that's the thing, but the system is tough to learn. They would need somebody that has experience in it. Now, Brian Hoyer has experience in it, but he's 37 years old, and he's not a guy you want to go into a season, I don't think, um, you know, having the total reins and being the guy, unless the side mission is, uh, you know, last year's Heisman Trophy winner. And, and, you know, no one's ever going to say it came for Caleb. But, you know, that, that could set that up pretty nicely for next year as well. They, they, they need somebody in there that knows the system. And, and here's the, the guy that keeps getting forgotten about all this that actually has a year in the system, granted has not taken a pro snap yet, is, is the guy who was there last year, Chase Garbers. Yeah. You know, and he, he at least should get it. And that's something I want to watch when we're out there tomorrow, just see what kind of reps he's getting, what it looks like. Because, you know, Q and I, we talked last, last week, and, and, and the practice in and of itself, it seemed a little bit faster than mm-hmm. it was last year at this stage. The, like there's some familiarity, there's some things going on, and they know what they're doing. So you insert a quarterback in there who knows what to do and has timing with the receivers and things, okay, now you got now you can cook this on there. So um, it, it, it's one of those random things. And really, to me, the, 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 the strange, another level to this is how did the Broncos know to weaken a divisional opponent by signing Jared Stidham so fast? Right. And the, you know, Jared Stidham will be looking nice right about now. And I always thought they should have brought him back regardless. But, you know, he takes off for a division rival, and not only did the Broncos strengthen themselves with the new coach, but they weaken a divisional rival in the process. Man, I'm with you 100%. I just knew, and I told anybody who would listen, that Jared Stidham was not more valuable to any other team in the league but the Raiders because of everything that he'd already been with with Joshua Daniels' familiarity. He was liked in the locker room. So I just knew that was a no-brainer as far as a re-signing. And then, boom, they got him. I mean, they agreed in the legal tampering period with Stidham before the Raiders even agreed with with uh, with, with uh, Garoppolo. Like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, that, and that to me was like, I was like, uh-oh, well, I guess if you're going all in on Garoppolo, okay. And then the physical and the foot and everything that comes with it. I mean, and that was the other thing about Jared, too, was not only did he look good, he looked better in his two starts in this system than Derek did in the previous 15. And that's not a shot at anybody. That's just facts. He looked more comfortable in the system. Mm-hmm. Plus, he won that locker room over, especially Devontae, when he took that shot yep. on that deep pass against the 49ers when he threw that touchdown pass and he gets up and smiles and he's got blood in his mouthpiece. That won that locker room over. So for them to let him walk like that, they felt comfortable enough. And for the team to put that waiver in the contract, Las Vegas is gambling. They are betting on him, but they're still feeling pretty good about that bet. Yeah, they've got to be. Again, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. One of the things I pointed out on the show was if they had any doubt that Jimmy G would be ready, wouldn't they have addressed the quarterback position in the draft earlier than the fourth round when they went and selected Aiden O'Connell? What are your thoughts on O'Connell? What are your thoughts on the draft? And should the Raiders have addressed the quarterback a little earlier? I, with who, though? That, that's the question. Right. I mean, it's it, it, and they did know, obviously. They did know that there was going to be an – if they had him sign that contract waiver yep. um, right away, then they knew there was something going on. The fact that they waited until the fourth round when there was that run on all those, that, you know, those third-day quarterbacks, that lets you again know what their mentality was. Now, whether they were correct or they were grossly wrong, we'll find out. Right. But they felt confident and comfortable enough with Jimmy because they knew what the deal was at that point. And that's what, what Josh kept saying was there's no surprises to us regarding Jimmy. Everything's going along the plan. Um, it's just not very heartening to a fan base. It's like, wait a minute, you – 
you sent out a guy that was the starter here for nine years and you're bringing in a guy who's not going to be ready, hopefully, until training camp, okay, that's not going to sit well. But if that's their plan, that's their plan. Right, and especially if the plan works, then all will be forgiven. But if it doesn't, then, boy, there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to be asked. And, Paul, we just got a couple more questions for you. We talk a lot about Jimmy G and the health of him and his foot. What about the first-round pick, Tyree Wilson, and his foot? Um, at what point do you think that he'll be ready to, to get out there and participate, and how quickly should he be out there? Well, that's the plan is for him to be out there during training camp as well. Um, you know, each guy is going to have their own personal uh, time stamp, the time frame that they want him out there. It, it, again, your quarterback and your first-round draft pick not being able to take place part on the field during OTAs and off-season training activities, that's not um, that's not ultimate. That's not the best thing you want. Right. But if they're there for training camp and they're able to absorb and take in the the, the classroom work, then that's that's half the battle. You, you know, who's to say they won't go out there in OTAs and training camp and hurt themselves at that point anyway? Right. OTAs and you know before training camp. So yeah, you want your guys out there as much as humanly possible. I guess the flip side of that is, hey, everybody signed, so to speak, and the Raiders did protect themselves in the contract. It is bizarre to to, to, to kind of take a victory lap with that, but that's where we are. Uh, when it comes to, to Tyree, though, I mean, he's a guy that can be a game changer, and it'll be interesting. And in, in if Paul, you there? Do we lose Paul? Okay. Apparently, he's got a little bit of an update on what we got going on. Oh, we got Paul back. All right, Demond says we got I'm Paul back. back. There he is. Okay. Sorry, there he is. sorry, sorry. It's all good. You're good. Go ahead, Demond. All right, Paul, last week, Coach McDaniels, he said that Devontae Adams earned the right to vent. But I want to ask about another player, Josh Jacobs. Has he earned the right to vent, and do we, do we expect to see him out there next week? Uh, he's earned the right to change his uniform number, which is a strange thing to me, because I'm still trying to figure out if a guy has not signed his franchise tender, and does that mean he has a contract, or does he do the team still retain his rights, even though he hasn't signed it? And yet the Raiders did him a solid by, by changing his number per his request. Um, I would expect him to be there for mandatory minicamp because that's what it is. It's mandatory. Otherwise, he starts racking up those fines. I also expect him to work out some sort of a long-term deal um, as we get closer to training camp because that deadline is, what, July 15th? Yep. So everybody said the right thing. He wants to be there. The Raiders want him to return. It's just going to be interesting to see how the rest of the market plays out because, you know, the guy's first-team All-Pro, led the league in rushing, and yet it's a position that's not as valued as it once was. You know, Q, when you and I were growing up, it was Dickerson, and it was yep. Walter Payton, yep. and it was Marcus Allen, and it was, you know, those guys you could count on for 1,000 yards, 1,500 yards rushing a season. That's not where the game is now, so we'll see exactly what, what that payday looks like. But he does deserve to get paid, and it's going to be interesting to see what that payday translates into. We had someone hit us up with a question, I think yesterday, maybe the day before, I'm not too sure, Paul, but they were asking about Josh Jacobs and do I think that he leads the league in rushing and has a season he had last year if the Raiders didn't, if they had, had, had granted his fifth-year option? And I said no. What do you think, how do you think Josh Jacobs' season would have gone if they had picked up his fifth-year option? I, it's hard to say uh, because a lot, of it, a lot of the other things depended upon how the rest of the offense was going to be used because coming into the season, there was no way that they were going to use him as a bell cow back because Josh McDaniel's offense doesn't rely on a single back. And even Josh, remember he told us yep. that at the end of the year that he was so he was not used to having that singular back back there. And yet he showed him something. So if he had gotten that 50 year option, 
I, I'm not. Maybe he does use him that way, but but it's hard to say because you know with with Derek's issues running the offense and the offensive line the way it was early in the year, um, I would say no, and that's not a shot at, at Josh either. Right. It's just you, you're playing with that comfort, that confidence. He was obviously playing for something. That's not mm-hmm. to say that he's greedy or anything, but he was playing for something. Yeah. And the fact that he played in that first preseason game, he was playing for something there. So he definitely had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So if and when he shows up. Um, I look forward to you asking him that question, Q. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for putting it on me like that. But, no, I mean, we all know that guys just happen to play better in contract years. It's just what it is. Like you said, they're playing for something, and a little bit of it is just, hey, I got something to prove. And these guys don't believe in me, I'll make them believe in me. And that's what he did. And, and Josh McDaniel yep. said it. He made him believe in him as the bell cow because that was not the plan. That was not the plan, and that's never been the Patriot way, so to speak. So, right. you know, and even talking with Mark Davis, I mean, he, he basically said the guy was the heart and soul of the team last year. Yep. So you deserve to get paid for that. It's just, you know, in football, especially football, you're paid on what you, guys are paid basically on what they're projected to do, not on what they've done. And right. here we are. Exactly, and that's why the running back position is so diminished in the NFL, and it's really a shame uh, because, man, they, they like you said, the, the ones that we grew up with were fantastic, and they were leaned on all the time, and they were the engines of the team. Well, Paul, great stuff as always, my man. Uh, you know I'm going to ask you what you're working on besides uh, Jimmy G conversations. What do you got going on? And that's it, man, just diving into it. I want to see who's out there tomorrow. I want to find out, you know what, I want to find out what's going on with Hunter Renfro, too. Yeah, uh, so many rumors, so many things. He wasn't out there, but I've heard that he's actually been in the building. You know, why wasn't he out there the day we were out there? Uh, you know, I put the request in. We'll see if they bring him to the podium tomorrow or not. But uh, I want to find out what's going on there. And, and again, just diving into the Jimmy G situation and find out what exactly does it mean and what does it look like. And at the end of the day, is it worth all of this? Well, it's the most important uh, position in all of team sports. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. So it'll be interesting. I look forward to being out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center tomorrow. We'll see what's out there, who's out there, and we'll see what we're talking about following. Well, Paul, thanks so much, man. Great stuff as always. We appreciate you. Sounds good. I look forward to seeing which Air 270s you're wearing tomorrow. That's right. You know I got them. (laughs) There he goes. My Air Max 270s, my favorite shoe in my collection. I did just order another pair of shoes, but they're not Air Max 270s. I haven't decided on the newest the newest color. There's a couple different colors that I've been looking at that I really do want. And it's funny, Damon, and this is a totally different subject, and nobody cares at all about this subject, but I had, uh, I have two pairs of the same ones, like the same colors that I really like, and over at Vegas Jess's house on, uh, on Sunday, uh, I got a little bit of barbecue sauce on the tip of my shoe, and so I was like, well, there goes that shoe. That was great. And the good thing is the wife said, yeah, but you have two pairs of it, so you're okay. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Didn't even bother to think about cleaning it? You just you got no, it like it's, that? It's barbecue, no, it's barbecue sauce. There's, it's no coming back from that. There's certain things. I did that one time with a pair of Air Force Ones. I was at, as a matter of fact, I was at Baylor, and during a softball game intermission, they brought us pizza, and I just grabbed the pizza, and I didn't get a plate, and a stupid piece of pepperoni fell off, and it had sauce on it, and it landed on my, my Air Force Ones, and it was a wrap. And I was angry, and the whole game I was looking at it trying to – but there's nothing – there's no coming back. From certain things, there's no coming back. Sauces like that, there's no coming back from. You could put them in the, in the, in the washing machine. You could put whatever different – whatever you got, and it just doesn't work. So, there you go. Well, good thing you got it like that, that you can have two pairs. I don't. Two colorways in uh, just about every shoe you own. Nah, you man. Be like I, one of those. Was it Dr. Dre? He's got a fo- closet full of no, Air Force Ones. I w- man. I wish I did have a closet like that. I do not. But uh, I'll tell you right now. I got. There's a certain certain few pairs of Air, uh, of Air Maxes that I really like. Uh, there's there's just the, I like comfortable shoes now though. I don't. 
You know, even Air Force Ones, I used to rock them all the time, but they crease too easy, so I don't rock those. Uh, Jays, I haven't worn those in years. I, I will never go back to that. They're too heavy for me. Uh, I just like the comfortable shoes now. So once I find some that I like, I'll stick with it. But the Air Max 270s that Paul's talking about, he convinced me to get the black ones, the black and burgundy. Uh, he walked into the media room one day with them on. And I was like, ooh, those are nice. I'm going to go ahead and get those. So I ordered them right then, and then I blamed it. I went home, and I blamed it on him. I was like, wife, Paul, he, he talked me into it. He made me do it. And then I got a couple pairs of the white and red ones, white, red, and, you know, the dark blue or whatever. That, that's my favorite one that I have. I got two of those. I got a pair of the white ones, and I think there's another color that I have that I don't remember. But they have, like, a blue one out right now that I'm really thinking of, but I don't have anything that goes with it. So that's why I'm stuck in, like, wait-and-see mode because I don't know. I don't have anything that matches. So I don't know. I, I don't see myself wearing blue too often. Sounds like you need to go out and buy a blue shirt. I uh, mean, I don't really. I mean, where do I wear a blue shirt? You know what I mean? Like, sound, If you want the shoes, if you want to justify <laughs> it. <laughs> now you're really trying to get me in trouble, trying to make me just go ahead and spend all kind of money. And I'm going to blame it on DeMond. And the wife's going to be like, look, Paul could talk you into buying some shoes. But that, I'll be damned if you let DeMond Talk you into buying some stuff. A whole new outfit while you're right. at it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're really trying to get me kicked out the house. 325 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. Plus, we'll read a couple texts. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Unnecessary Roughness. A standing ovation once again for the defending WNBA champions. The Las Vegas Aces defeat the Minnesota Lynx. 94 to 73. This team has not given me any reasons to think that they will not show up on any given night. No matter the circumstances, they come to compete, they come to play, and they play hard. It's time to talk with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5. Here's your boy Q. And Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports will join us in a matter of seconds, but I did want to get some uh, of Raider Nation on the phone lines as we've got some very patient listeners at 702-365-9200. Let's start off with Juan the Smasher. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Juan? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. I know. That's right. <laughs> hey, Q, so, to answer your question about these disappointing Raiders, yep. uh, I agree with you on both of those players. Randy Moss, this fool, he, he had me all hyped up. <laughs> I was over there talking trash in school and letting everybody know, and and, and on Madden too. I was I was I was dogging fools in Madden, especially with Moss. But in the regular season, he did not he did not live up to the hype. And I was I was pissed off too when he was talking about him in Mexico talking trash. Forget him, him, Demarcus Russell, and 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 D'Angelo Hall too. That that uh, what was it a Monday night game when the I, I yep. forgot his name, but number fifteen he kept burning this cat. And I was like, yeah, this fool got to go. I couldn't stand him. And in one game, I was already done with him. I, I, I can't remember that Bronco receiver, but he was just burning this. Javon all, Walker. All yeah, it was, it was one of those cats, one of those donkey cats. <laughs> and then also uh, the, the, the food that, that stains your white clothes, it, it has to be menudo, menudo juice. Forget about it. It's a done deal. Just, just throw away that white <laughs> Hey, thank you too for everything you do. You guys have a good day. Hey, man, Juan, thanks for the call. Thanks for keeping it real, man. I always love to hear from Juan the Smasher. Menudo juice. I ain't got to worry about that unless I have a hangover, right? That's what they say. Yeah, have some menudo if you have a hangover. Let's get one more quick call in. How about Hardcore Raider? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, I would go with Randy Moss, but I was probably the only Raider fan that never wanted that dude. I just I just felt like he was never going to be a Raider. Mm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But he, he's in my top number one hated list. I'll just leave it at that. But gotcha. uh, my two are – 
Darius Hayward Bay and uh, DJ Hayden. But uh, really, I want to talk about this PFF grades on the running backs real quick. If you can give me a uh, go for it, or two. go for it. All right. So uh, you know, when I look at this, and I don't agree. You know, I know they, it's tough, like job they do. But when I look at this, um, I tried to look at several different things. I tallied up some stats, but um, for total touchdowns, just last year, or their order, they have Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, John uh, John Taylor, and then Shaquan Barkley. So I just looked at the top six. So Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry both had 13 touchdowns. Uh, Josh Jacobs had 12. So he's right there, at least top three for that. Everybody wants to talk about receiving yards and how, like, you know, uh, running backs have to be a universal uh, receiving uh, back in, in today's new NFL to be, like, considered elite. Well, Josh right. Jacobs had 400, 400 yards receiving, and Christian McCaffrey had 464. So Christian McCaffrey only had 64 more receiving yards. Right. But if you tally up, if we're going to take that stack into effect, meaning receiving yards and rushing yards of what makes uh, a running back elite, Josh Jacobs had a total uh, total yards of 2,053 over all those guys. Next in line would be Derrick Henry, and so I'm looking at total yards, uh, 1936. But if we're looking at future potential, we have to remember that Josh Jacobs is only 25 years old. Okay, uh, Derrick Derrick Henry, I believe, is like uh, what, like 27 or something, or 29. Uh, so he, he's getting up there in age. So we all know running backs are going to fall off as they get a little bit older. But if you look at potential success and just the four years of all these guys that they ranked in, say, the top six, what if I told you that Josh Jacobs, even battling his injury where John Gruden had to pull him off the field, was uh, had more total yards than all these guys? I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that, man. Josh Jacobs is a hell of a running back. We got a lot of respect for J.J. around here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Looking forward to him signing that deal uh, whenever that happens and he gets back out on the field. Now we are joined on the phone lines by someone who knows J.J. very well, Josh Jacobs. That's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, you heard Hardcore Raider right there praising Josh Jacobs. And you know J.J. As well as anybody, uh, what are your thoughts on potential for him this upcoming year? How, how, I mean, he was the number one rusher last year. What do you think he does for an encore performance? Well, I mean, catching up with him this summer, you know, we were going over, you know, his career season he had and, uh, you know, giving it his all this year, um, you know. And, and then in the preseason, you know, it was running back by committee. You know, right. he was he was playing in the, in the preseason and everyone was like, oh, my God, are the Raiders going to trade? Uh, Josh Jacobs because Josh McDaniels doesn't use running backs, you know, hasn't hasn't used running backs with the Patriots. So, you know, I think Josh had Josh had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this season. Mm. Like, oh yeah, like let me show you, let me show you why I'm the best running back. And and then catching up with him this summer, you know, he was just like, man, I know I had a great year, but I feel like there's so much more I can do. There's so much more I left out there. Um, you know, he did say that he didn't have the best year. Um, you know, off the field, you know, there was a lot going on off the field uh, last season with a new coach, new system, you know, trying to figure out the chemistry between, you know, Adams and Carr and Jacobs and, you know, trying to figure all that out. So, um, you know, year two with Josh McDaniels and, you know, a new quarterback in, in that system, um, you know, I hope Josh can only even have a better year. But like like that fan was saying, I mean, you know, he's the top running back in the NFL. He should be paid like he's the top running back in the NFL. Um, and, you know, for Josh to come on Fox 5 and say, you know, I'm unsatisfied, you know, there's so much more I can do. 
um, you know, that should make Raider fans happy. <laughs> yes. No, it does. It really does. To hear someone say that they're still hungry and that they want to do more and, and have a bigger season than they did a, a year ago, especially when he led the league in rushing and he's always yeah. put up a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, I'm excited about what Josh Jacobs could bring to the table uh, year two under head coach Josh McDaniels. Again, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, joins us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, uh, another team that seems like they're real hungry is those LV Aces. So far, so <laughs> yeah. good. 4-0 oh yeah. on the season. They had three games in a matter of about five days. What did you What did you think of that performance, double-dipping with the Sparks and then beating up on the Lynx as well? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a WNBA team put up, you know, three games in a row of a 20-point win. Uh, you know, they've just come out and they've just dominated uh, this season. They had a close game against the Sparks on the road, a come-from-behind, mm-hmm. gritty, physical game against the Sparks. Like we mentioned, the Sparks and the Aces might be that rivalry uh, yeah. this this season, but um, not not on the home opener. I mean, they smoked them on the home opener, ninety three to sixty five on ring night. Uh, you know, at, at one point they were up by like forty points. So right. I was like, right. man, like <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been saying this. You know, we're so early into the season. You know, they're four zero. Um, you know, they have great pieces and. You know, it's it's not even the addition of, of Candace Parker and Alicia Clark. To me, watching these games, it looks like, you know, Asia Wilson and, and Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young Boom. are only better this season. So to have your core, you know, your starting five, to have those players even better this season, it's just it's just scary. I mean, I was watching the Storm uh Liberty game and I'm like, Yeah, you know, it's a good game. But like when it comes to the aces, you know you have you have star powers, you know at every position, and that that bench is deeper this year. Um, so you know I, I've been talking to my friends. I was like, yeah, you know they they added Candace Parker, who's the goat. You know they added Alicia Clark, two time WNBA champion. But in my opinion, it's it's the players that are returning that ha- that looks even better this season. I mean, Asia Wilson, Jack Young, Kelsey Plum. Um, you know, it, it, they just look even better this season. And Raquana Williams isn't even out there yet, and, and right. she's she's a great shooter too. So, um, you know, it's it's fun. It's really fun to go to the games, to watch the games, to be around the players, to be around the coaches. Um, it's a lot of fun this season. I have no doubt about it, man. Again, 4-0 on the season so far. It's been a fantastic start for the Aces. And Jackie Young was someone I wanted to focus in on uh, when we got you on today because Jackie Young, to me, has really been an X factor. She seems like she's even so much better than she was a year ago, and she was really good last year. But this year, she is really dominating. What have you seen from her in particular? Yeah, she put up a career-high 30 points on the road, you know, in L.A. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for her, they would have lost that game for yeah. sure. Um, you know, she was able to close out the game for them on the road in L.A. She put up a big game uh, in the season opener on the road in Seattle. Um, I think she had, like, 23 points in that game. So, Jackie Young is is, is a quiet – she's a quiet person. She's a shy, kind of quiet girl. You know, she's very, very nice, very humble – very respectful, but man, she looks she looks nasty this season. I mean, she's just hitting three after three after three. She's getting in the paint. She's physical on defense. Um, you know, she just looks so much more improved. And uh, to me, I think the Aces really, really turned it up this off season. Like Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, they they were in the gym all off season. And I, I heard on the broadcast that. 
you know, Becky Hammond was, you know, had to kick Jackie Young out of the gym because she was like, <laughs> you've been here for 24 hours. I need you to go home uh, so we can, you know, have you have you for the season. You know, you don't want to wear yourself out too much in the off season. But, um, you know, for, for Asia Wilson and Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum to be in the gym all off season and, and be dedicated um, and working on their craft, you know, that just shows how dedicated they are, how hungry they are to win another title. I mean, every interview with Asia Wilson, um, you know, she's like, you know, I haven't done anything. And she's like, you know, two-time uh, MVP, you know, champion right. and, and everything. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of like uh, inspiring to hear women who have accomplished so much mm-hmm. say that, you know, they're not satisfied. They're not happy. You know, they're, they're, they're ready to work for more. Um, it's really inspiring. You know, it's really, really inspiring to hear women who have, achieve the highest uh, highest award you could achieve and be like you know i i want more i'm ready for more i'm ready to work for more so it's awesome yeah it really is paloma villacana fox 5 sports is our guest radio nation radio 920 necessary roughness go ahead Devon. i've got to ask you what was that atmosphere like for the ring ceremony when they finally took on the sparks of that home opener yeah it was awesome i mean i think it was a night i'll remember forever whoever was there it was a sold-out game um, you know, over 10,000 fans at Michelob Ultra Arena. And, you know, what I like about that arena is because I watch other WNBA games all the time, you know, in L.A., in Seattle, in Connecticut. Man, the Michelob Ultra Arena is lit. It is fun. <laughs> they got DJ Joe Green. He plays great music. He also is the DJ for the Golden Knights. So if you've been to a Golden Knights game and you know how fun that atmosphere is, you know, it's just as fun as, as the Michelob Ultra Arena because uh, it's Vegas. You know, they put on a show. Uh, their their performances are great. They had hip-hop artists um, at their halftime show. Anita Baker sang, sang the national anthem. Uh, so when it comes to the Aces, they go all out. They go all out. And it's, it's you know, it's. It's a line getting into to the <laughs> Mandalay Bay parking lot. You got to get there early because they're going to be mm-hmm. stuck in that line forever. But um, you know, to see how see how much how far women's basketball you know has grown here in Las Vegas. You know, I sit down with the Aces all the time and tell them, you know, you guys are really changing the game. You know, you're really changing the game. The Lady Rebels are really changing the game. You know, for for young girls in this city and across the world to see like. You know, if you come and you work hard and you and you you know achieve your dreams, you could play for the Aces. You could be in that facility. Uh, you know, you could change the game. And it's it's players like Asia Wilson and, and Kelsey Plum and, and players on this team um, that are moving this game forward. And also the coach, Coach Becky Hammond. This was her. Those first two games were her first two games back after her suspension. Did you notice anything different on this different on the sidelines with Coach Hammond back? No. So she she was still at practice. You know, the entire time while they were, you know, while she was suspended, she was still at practice. Um, I believe she, she even traveled with them, you know, on the road, but, you know, she just wasn't at the game. So I feel like Becky Hammond was still very present around her team. Um, you know, she was still with them every day. It's not like she was kind of kicked out of, of the facility or anything. You know, she was still with the team every day. And then um, obviously her coaches, her assistant coaches, you know, did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. Tyler Marsh opening up the season with a 105-point win. Um, and Natalie Nakase getting the job done on the road in L.A. with a come-from-behind win. So, um, you know, Becky Hammond's got a little farm over there. You know, yeah. she's, she's got <laughs> great players, great coaches. 
Um, and, you know, I, I really want to see the Aces kind of open up their doors to local high schools, you know, middle school, you know, young girls that, that want to come um, and learn from the Aces. You know, that would be, that'd be awesome if, if, you know, I know they go to the Lady Rebels games, but maybe once the season's over, you know, they can host a lot of local events at, at their training facilities so that, you know, local high school players, you know, middle school, elementary can, can you know, meet, meet Becky Hammond and kind of be around um, you know, her, her players and her team. All right, so I've got to ask you, I mean, Coach Becky Hammond, she mentioned it after the Lynx game of maybe that would be the game where uh, the team dips a little bit, everybody's hyped mm-hmm. out after, you know, they get the ring ceremony, they beat the Sparks, but maybe that Lynx game, there's a dip, and she was surprised that the team still came out there hungry. They're going on a four-game road stretch mm-hmm. here. Do you think they finally have that competitive game that we've all been waiting for them to have? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, for back-to-back, back-to-back games after ring night, um, it was a holiday weekend, you know, there's just a lot going on here in Vegas, um, and, you know, she, she admitted, like, she was tired, she knows her, her players were tired, I was tired on Sunday, like, after (laughs) ring night, you just, you know, it's such a big night, and then you have to, you know, come back the next day and play another game, so, um, you know, to, to, and it was, it was just great to see, you know, the players were so locked in, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, um, Asia Wilson, they were so locked in uh, on Sunday. You know, they didn't treat the game like, oh, whatever. We just played last night. They came out. They came out really, really strong. So, um, you know, another blowout win. It was ninety-four to seventy-three. They were up by thirty yeah. points at one at one time. I was like, man. I was like, if this if this is how they're gonna play on back to back nights, I was like, man, <laughs> we're in store for for a great season. But no, they have they have some time off to kind of rest their bodies or. They're on the road for the next four games, um, so so they'll be on the road for the next four games back at the house um, Sunday, June eleventh against the Chicago Sky. So there you go. That's um, uh, Candace Parker's yeah. old team. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. That ought to be that ought to be interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, Paloma, we'll, we'll finish with this. I wanted to ask just about you mentioned uh, the WNBA and growing women's basketball. We saw mm-hmm. the national championship game between uh, LSU and, and Iowa, mm-hmm. and how much fun that was. You know, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. That was great. So for Mark Davis to do what he's done, invest the money in facilities, those amazing rings that they received. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's been like they are, you know, the 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 best organization in the WNBA. How much mm-hmm. does that put pressure on other organizations in the league to make sure that they treat their team as well as the Aces are being treated as like Mark Davis is doing? Yeah, and I think Mark Davis is, you know, kind of paving the way. Um, you know, for several of the Aces players to come out and say that they didn't even have a locker, you know, they didn't even have a, a spot to to change, to change, you know. Wow. Um, for, for the Aces assistant coaches to be like, you know, I've never had a shower. I've never had my own shower. Um, you know, and these are, these are professional athletes, man. Right, these are right. professional athletes. So um, to, to just have the, the necessities that you need, like an office, you know what I mean? Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, that should, I feel like the W has been, um, you know, kind of behind on things and, and behind on trying to catch up with where the NBA is at. But when you have Mark Davis investing this money, um, you know, bringing Tom Brady on board, you know, having, uh, celebrities at the games, you know, having, you know, the, the Raiders and the Aces collab so much, um, I think it's only it's only growing the game, and yeah, I mean, I, I I hope other WNBA teams say, I mean, we need to give our players a locker. Like, mm-hmm. come on, a locker, a right. shower, like that's that's the bare necessities of what you need um, to do your job. So, 
uh, yeah, I mean, I hope all the pictures they see of the facility and, you know, how great the aces, you know, are performing and, and just the standard that they've set, you know, I hope that's a ripple effect uh, to change the game because, you know, you got players like uh, Angel Reese and yep. Caitlin Clark and, you know, all these all-star players, and then they go to the WNBA, they don't even have a locker? Like, right. that's, that's, just, that's just not right. That's no. just not right. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope the Aces have such, and Mark Davis, you know, I hope they've set the standard uh, for what women should receive when they play professional basketball. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I'll tell you this, if they, if it doesn't have a ripple effect, then I'll guarantee you the Aces will have an easy time getting free agents to come to the team. You know, <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah, exactly. you you play somewhere where you can get a locker and a shower or you want to stay there? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that yeah. locker and a shower and being a winner. Yeah, I'm good. So yeah. there you go. Well, Paloma, fantastic stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, man, we're full speed with the Golden Knights yep. and the Aces, and we're super pumped up for everything happening with the A's coming to Vegas. And <laughs> um, you know, Fox 5, we're, we are on top of it. So, uh, you know, Vegas, every yep. day it's something new. So yeah. <laughs> whatever's coming next, we're ready for it. There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time. We always appreciate you. Have a good one. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. See ya. There she goes, Paloma Villacana. Fantastic stuff. Fox 5 Sports on Twitter at Paloma Fox 5 News. And I mentioned the Aces watch party that Lindsey Brown from the Morning Tailgate will be a part of with our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. That's going to be at the Buffalo Wild Wings on Sunday, June 4th. That's this upcoming Sunday. Buffalo Wild Wings on North Durango from 1 to 3. The Aces will be on the road taking on the Indiana Fever. She'll have all kind of prizes, tickets, T-shirts, food and drink specials at Buffalo Wild Wings. And, of course, she'll be hanging out for a couple hours. So go hang out with Lindsey Brown, Sunday, June 4th, Buffalo Wild Wings, North Durango from 1 to 3, Aces taking on the Indiana Fever. Of course, it's being brought to you by Finley Volkswagen of Henderson. Many thanks to Paloma Villacana. We definitely appreciate her. 348 is the time. We'll take a break. Come back. Close out hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Did that last commercial really talk about tortoises like that? <laughs> why is there always signs? Like, why does why is someone always coming after me, man? It's Couple like years every, too late, man. Like, why is everyone always trying to fire shots at me? I ain't done nothing wrong. I ain't stirred nothing up today. All of a sudden, I got to hear a commercial about spade and neuter and a damn tortoise. What in the hell? Don't release them in the backyard, man. Look, little homie had the right to go ahead and roam in the grass. All right, he spent all his time in the in the tank. <laughs> Made him sound like he was in jail in the tank. No, he was. I mean, he was in. He had a nice tank, but you know, every week gave him a little bit of sunshine, let him roam a little bit, let him get a little fresh grass. It's not like he was here where we, you know, we have turf. We have real grass, so he had a time to, to get out there and experience life, wander a little bit. He just happened to wander a little bit too far, man. It's like I always want someone I always want to bring up the, the story of a little homie. And then over the weekend, I, I mentioned multiple times we hung out with Vegas Jess. Anytime we hang out with Vegas Jess, I always think of uh, his son, Jason, who's also the homeboy. He has he has a desert tortoise, uh, Machacho, Machacho or Machacha. That's her name. Anyway, he was trying to get me hooked up. Vice Raider was trying to get me hooked up with a desert tortoise. And the wife said, no, no, we don't need one now. In her, to her credit, we're not allowed to have pets here anyway. But still, 
the re- the landlords don't have to know that we have a desert tortoise hanging out back, right? I mean, we could just have the desert tortoise kicking it. Problem is, is I don't want to have to clean up after that desert tortoise. And I had to clean up after the little homie, but I didn't mind because he was little. That's why I called him little homie. Then he got a little bit bigger. As soon as he got bigger, well, just like all kids, decides, you know, he's, he's too big for the house. Got to do his own thing. Make it get me mad just thinking about it. How the hell? And then it's bad because everyone's like, oh, what happened to, to little homie? And you know what's even worse is one time I still had the tank sitting there in, in the kitchen because I, I, I just believed for like the first month that at some point he was going to wander back and be like, hey, dad, I'm home. You know, just kind of surprise me. Surprise, I'm back. Like I thought that was going to happen. So finally it didn't. So it's, I'm sitting in the kitchen, you know, the, the tank's in the kitchen, and everything kicking it. I can't remember who it was, but one of my buddies came to the house and he was like, Oh, damn, I just realized little homie's not in there. And I was like, really, dude? Like, that's 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 the story that we're going with? Oh, man, and then he just started dying laughing like like the funniest thing had ever happened in life. And he was like, duh, little homie's gone. Where's little homie? I said he ran away, and that just set him off. Once I said little homie ran, ran away, I think he laughed for about 30 straight minutes. And all I could think of was get out of my house. Just get out of my house. I can't believe that you're laughing at little homie. My pain, you're laughing at him. Because he left, he left home. Unbelievable. That was an important PSA, though. I guess. Yeah, people need to hear that message. All, all PSAs are important. All commercials are important for many different reasons. But why do I got to be the one that has to hear about the turtle commercial or the tortoise commercial? It's unbelievable. Someone from the 209 said, what happened to the tortoise was a hawk. A hawk happened. Damn it, don't tell you that. Don't say that. That is cold game. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I'm saying that's cold game. I don't want to hear about that. In my mind, little homie just left home. He chased a little homie yet. Like every, you know, you know how that goes. It's a story, you know, <laughs> behind behind every fallen soldier, there was a, there was a, there was a, some kind of woman that had him chasing him, right? I mean, that's just how it is. I'm, I'm assuming little homie. Ran up behind, you know, little 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 homie yet, and she convinced him to leave home, and he did it, and I'm hoping that he's living heavily, happily ever after, and they have like a whole pond full of little homies, like a whole I don't know what you even call a bunch of baby turtles, but hopefully they got about twelve of them, man. Hopefully they're living their best life. I don't want to think that a, a hawk happened, but in my mind, I know a hawk. Could have happened. Three fifty-seven is the time. Anthony Donardo, believe in the Miami Heat podcast, joins the show next. It's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty.